The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, Monday morning, and we start a new theme for this next five days. And uh, the theme has to do with speaking, mindfulness of speaking, to pay attention to use five criteria the Buddha gave for how to consider uh, what to say or how to say or when to speak. The, uh, and the idea of talking about this is that it's really an a, a extension of ideally what we begin to experience in meditation. That meditation is a vehicle or means to begin uh, experiencing ourselves without being in conflict with anything. The experience in the moment, at least, of meditation of releasing our resistance, our guardedness, the way we brace ourselves in our life, or release ourselves from the push and the drive of desire and wanting and having and getting, of releasing fear as it exists in us, to begin to experience ourselves in some more peaceful, easeful way. And that experience of more calm, more ease, more intimacy for with ourselves <clears throat> and meditation is not meant to be only for meditation. It's really how we want to live our lives. We, we don't want, you know, we don't necessarily want to live um, with bracing ourselves against life, being afraid, being caught in the grip of desires and craving. That um, we want to be able to live our lives with ease, with a degree of freedom. At least that's the kind of the Buddhist idea. And if we begin to taste this in meditation to some degree, then uh, we have a, a foundation, we have a reference point for what that might be like to do that in daily life as well. And so we want to kind of go into our life and begin exploring how we lose that ease and how we may, might find it in daily life. And one of the more significant places where this uh, whole enterprise or whole endeavor can be explored is in speech. Uh, there's a Tibetan Buddhist saying that says, when in meditation, watch your mind, when in public, watch your speech. And, um, and that's partly because speech, uh, what we say, how we say it, um, is really a window to really understand what motivates us, what's the background within us for what we're going to say. And it isn't that you watch your speech because it's the ethical thing to do. We, we can really watch what we want to say and how we say it so that we can begin exploring, how do I get stressed? How do I get caught? How do I lose my freedom? Because a lot of, um, of our uh, social interactions happen through speech. And if we want to find how to be free socially, um, speech is a fantastic be, uh, place to bring mindfulness and study what's going on for us. Speech is also kind of an ethical place in the sense that um, 
our interactions with a wide range of people, um, you know, real kind of interactions often happens through speech, through what we say or through what we write or what we sign if we so-called speak with, uh, communicate with our hands and fingers. And that uh, um, uh, if we want to have a beneficial effect on others, if we want to not cause harm, uh, being careful with our speech, uh, being mindful of it, is also very important. So watching speech is important for the inner life. Watching speech is important for the outer life. And the wonderful um, mutuality coincidence is that the same care to not harming ourselves through speech uh, is a, is uh, involves the same care not harming others. The two go together. We harm ourselves when we speak inappropriately. We harm others when we speak inappropriately. And so we care for both in watching our speech. So there are five criteria the Buddha gave for uh, how to study our speech, what to look at, what to look for, and what to guide us in speaking. And so each of these five days, I'll talk about these five. And uh, for today, I want to talk about the first one, which is um, uh, to speak the truth. And uh, so the idea is we can ask ourselves, is what we're about to say, is it true? And if it's not true, then perhaps we shouldn't say it. Or if it is true, then the other criteria come into play to help us know even the truth, should we say it? Because not all truth should be spoken. Uh, some truth is actually hurtful for people or um, and um, causes a lot of harm to people. So, uh, so um, but we begin with a question of truth. Now, this is a little bit interesting because this is a guideline for speaking the, is to is to uh, use the reference point of truth. The precept of the five ethical precepts that Buddhism has, the precept around uh, right speech there is not a dedication to truth, but a dedication to not lying, to not speaking false uh, words. And there's an important distinction, I think, between these two, that... Um, False speech is speech which is intentionally going to, uh, intentionally misleading. We're intentionally trying to say something that is not true, that is going to uh, uh, mislead someone about what's actually happening, what's actually going on. And, um, and that's the precept. It's easier to notice when we're intentionally, consciously going to mislead someone when we're going to speak untruths, manipulate the situation or something like that, then it is to recognize what is true. And so the precepts have a clear standard, have a clear uh, idea of what we're actually doing intentionally uh, to that causes harm, intentionally or consciously misleading people in a way that they would later feel manipulated or hurt or fooled or tricked or something or betrayed even. And, um, and that is a you know, much more serious, oftentimes, uh, uh, complication for our social interactions so that people can't trust us because we're, we're clearly misleading them. 
the dedication to be true, to, to speak the truth, is more complicated because it's not always clear what the truth is. Uh, and, uh, and different people have different philosophies of what it is that we call the truth. Uh, some people talk about now these days, uh, I'm going to speak my truth as if my truth is the truth. Uh, when sometimes what it is is an interpretation, or if sometimes it's um, it's a uh, statement of fact based on preferences, strong preferences, deep preferences we have, and to call a statement uh, tr- uh, my truth uh, when it's an interpretation that's my interpretation, my preferred in- interpretation, my pers- preferred policy, my um, preferred all kinds of things, is not quite accurate for what the Buddha talked about as being true. Um, um, When he talked about not lying, not misleading, not speaking false, uh, false statements, the reference point example he uses for that is um, in our our, our, in our uh, times would be considered a court of law, that uh, we would not have misspoken, not say things which are false, um, in a court of law because of the huge impact it's going to have. And there, uh, the idea of what's false and what's not false, it doesn't often fall into philosophical questions about what is true and not true. But uh, when we start making statements about reality, about life, then um, f- then oftentimes the um, uh, it's, it's more complicated. What is actually true? How do we know what's true? And here is where the Buddha uh, makes a very some very interesting ideas about truth. One is he has this wonderful teaching called preserving the truth, so, or safeguarding the truth. So if you dedicate the truth, how do you safeguard it? And, um, and he says you safeguard it by uh, stating to people the basis upon which you make a statement, like a propositional statement. And, um, and the basis of it means the ground or the reason or the, where it comes from that you have this point of view. So for example, if uh, we, we believe something is true, but it's a belief, if it's an article of faith, then we would preface our statement, I believe X, or it is my faith, I have faith that X is true. Now that is a true statement because you're saying, you're, you're not, we don't know if X is true or false, but we do know that you can reliably say, this is my belief, this is my faith. And then you, for the Buddha, you preserve the truth that way. So you're allowed to say what you believe, but to preserve the truth so other people have a clearer sense of what's going on and can responsibly respond to you, understand you, um, uh, uh, cooperate with you, communicate effectively with you. You say, it's my faith that this is true as opposed to making a declarative statement. You know, X is so. Uh, then there's no room for conversation. It's hard for people to be in dialogue. Uh, sometimes declarative statements are statements of aggression even. But to say, it's my faith, or this is my assumption, th- uh, that's, that's what we call 
the basis for what we believe or what we're going to say. And the Buddha gave five criteria for uh, for how to safeguard the truth, or five basis for making statements. It's possible that these uh, five have to do with more spiritual or philosophical truths more than the kind of truths in everyday life. And um, the first two, Bhikkhu Bodhi says, are more emotive, emotional. Uh, One is uh, based on faith, uh, and the other is based on our simple gut approval. It just feels right. We just approve of it because it just, uh, you know, we think it's right. And so there's no reflection, no analysis of the situation, but it just, and we might say, um, it's it's uh, my assumption this is true, or I approve that this is the case, or um, um, you know I I you know, uh, and so again you safeguard the 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 truth by saying it comes out of me, out of my this is what I approve of. I haven't thought about it, I haven't reflected it, I haven't anal- analyzed it, but um, this is what I. Make, take my stand on because I believe in this. Uh, and then there's again more room. It's not a declarative statement that it's hard to be in conversation with. The next one is to um, uh, uh, is uh, reasoning based on analogy or reasoning based on anecdotes. I think that we have an epidemic of anecdotal uh, claims of truth. Uh, meaning that there's one uh, instance, uh, one example of something's happened, and then that becomes the proof that something is true. But if you say, it is my, uh, uh, it's, I've come to the conclusion based on this one example, then th- there's more, that's closer to being, being a truth statement as opposed to saying, this is true, uh, because, you know. And so there's a humility to our statements of truth. There's a willingness to not make declarative statements of authority. This is true, but rather based on X, based on this anecdote or this analogy, I take this to be true. The fourth one is, um, you know, for safeguarding the truth, is um, using... um, um, uh, to rationally, logically work something out. And so then you could say, logically, my logic tells me that this is true. Then, if you say it that way, then people can participate in logic, or you can lay out the logic for other people, uh, and they can uh, participate in coming to that conclusion. Um, but if again, if you just make a declarative statement, they can't participate, they can't figure out what's going on. And then... Um, the um, uh, the the fifth one is it's ba- uh, in the ancient language when there was no written text that the literal expression is oral tradition based on oral tradition based on tradition I guess we could say uh, this is what I've been told this is what my my religion uh, believes my tr- my the tradition of my elders this is what my culture believes this is this is a traditional thing to believe. Um, then again, if you say it that way, then there's a context for people understanding where this belief comes from, as opposed to, as I keep saying, a declarative statement. So, um, and then uh, the Buddha, in giving this teaching, someone asked, how, well, how do we discover the truth? 
And then the, for that, the Buddha talked to, we discover it through our body. He literally uses the word body here. Um, and we witness it through our body. And what that is shorthand for is, um, is uh, the truth that he's pointing to. Not all truth, but the really truth, spiritual truth that he's looking for is discovered through our direct experience. And to be able to know and say, through my direct experience, this is what I know, uh, that also is safeguarding the truth. Because direct experience is a particular reference point for understanding uh, what's going on. So this care around truth, this care about the statements we make, is very important in our current world of society. There's a lot of uh, willingness to kind of spout opinions, make declarative statements that don't really allow for harmony, allow for communication, allow for real dialogue. And so to be careful and speak about, first, don't mislead, don't speak falsehoods, ask yourself if this is true, but then more important, uh, more importantly, but then in addition, ask yourself, on what basis do I believe this to be true? And then share that basis with others. This is a way of safeguarding the truth. So um, thank you for today, and um, I look forward to our exploration of this topic. Thank you.